Welcome to Swimming Upstream, the 10-minute podcast about Catholicism, technology, culture, baseball, whatever else might come up. I'm your host, Eric Sammons. This is episode number 25. On today's episode, I'm going to be discussing the question, can a Catholic question Vatican II? You can find the show notes for this episode at ericsams.com slash podcast slash 25. And this episode really is based upon an article I wrote for Crisis Magazine called Evangelization, Vatican II, and Censorship. And I'll link to that article in the show notes uh, page. And really the point of that article is that Catholics are not able within the church to really question Vatican II, to talk about Vatican II in any type of critical way. Now, let me take a step back for a minute. Let me first explain what Vatican II is. Vatican II, in case you're not sure, is an ecumenical council of the church. It's one of the, it's the 21st ecumenical council. It was held in the 1960s. And really, ecumenical councils are official organs for the church, for the pope and bishops to gather together to discuss aspects of the Catholic faith and to define things for Catholics to understand and to believe. Usually they come about due to a crisis in the church. Something is going on, like for example, the, the first the Nicene Council, it, was deci- it came about because there was a crisis of people not believing that Jesus Christ was truly God. And so it came together to define, yes, he is true God from true God. And so these councils are very important in the life of the Catholic Church. And the most recent one is Vatican II. Now, one of the purposes for Vatican II was to supposedly bring the Catholic Church into the modern world and to basically spread the Catholic faith throughout the world by modernizing a lot of the ways in which the Church does things. It's kind of the intent behind why they had Vatican, why the, count, the, the, the Pope and the Church called Vatican II. Now, if we look objectively at what has happened in the church after Vatican II, especially in the Western world, in Europe, in America, North America, even South America, we'll see that goal that Vatican II had of spreading the faith throughout the world, evangelizing, has been a complete disaster. It has not happened. And the best intentions in the world don't matter. What matters is you have to actually have results. And there haven't been results. The church has had a steep decline in member, both members and in vocations in the Western world, particularly since Vatican II. Now, people will sometimes, they, they, will, they will acknowledge that fact, perhaps, but they don't want to talk about Vatican II itself. They will say things like, oh, that's just the spirit of Vatican II, meaning liberals who hijacked the meaning of Vatican II and use it as their own agenda to turn the, to transform the Catholic Church into the Episcopal Church. Or they will say, well, yes, things have been bad in the church over the past 50 years, but they'd be so much worse if not for Vatican II. Vatican II actually arrested that decline that would have happened because of what's hap- what happened in the world, the secular world with the sexual revolution, everything that's all the cultural mores have changed since the 1960s. And actually, some people will just deny that there's a problem. I've seen this more often than I can imagine, where they'll just say, no, everything's hunky-dory in the Catholic Church. There's no problems. We're having a new springtime. I don't know how they say that. I mean, you'll see bishops particularly love to, to act like that. I, I remember seeing an interview not long ago with Cardinal Wuerl of Washington, D.C., and he was saying, basically, he made it sound like everything is just great. The church is booming. Everything's going great. And I just wonder, does he actually ever go to a Catholic parish and see what's going on and see the differences, what's happened over the last 50 years? But anyway, 
What you'll see, though, nobody do, except for those who are consigned to the fringes of the church or maybe even outside the church, is to perhaps challenge or question Vatican II directly and say maybe Vatican II itself isn't the solution, but maybe it was part of the problem. And why is it that people are afraid to do that? I think a couple reasons. Number one is it's bad theology. It's a thinking, it's an understanding that you think that because ecumenical councils are these official acts of the magisterium of the church, that they are therefore controlled and guided 100% by the Holy Spirit. Meaning that anything that comes out of an ecumenical council, a Catholic is bound to believe because the Holy Spirit's guiding it. And if you reject an ecumenical council, you reject the Holy Spirit. Now, first of all, I'm not even talking about rejecting Vatican II. I'm just saying possibly there are some problems with it. But some would say, no, you can't even acknowledge that. And similarly, they would say the same thing about the Pope, that you could never, ever challenge or question anything about any Pope ever, which if you look at the history of Popes, you know that's ludicrous. But that's bad theology. We believe as Catholics that the, the Holy Spirit guides the church and protects it from error, meaning that The church cannot definitively teach error when it's a teaching that is in faith and morals and to be held for all Catholics to believe. So, for example, I'm taping this on the Feast of the Assumption. The Pope defined that as a teaching of the church that Catholics had to believe. That is an infallible statement that you have to believe that Mary was assumed into heaven if you're, if you're going to be a Catholic. But yet that doesn't cover every single statement, every single action, everything done by a council or by a pope. So bad theology is one reason that people don't want to question Vatican II. Another is, I think, institutional bias. We have built up a church, a Vatican II church. And if your typical parish today, your typical diocese, there's no way they could question Vatican II because that would question literally every single thing they do. If you question Vatican II that it's wisdom and perhaps it maybe had some problems, you would have to rethink literally everything you do in, in, in parishes today, from the music to how Mass is celebrated to how the different programs are run to everything would have to be questioned. And people aren't willing to do that. It's just too hard to do something like that. We're too embedded in this Vatican II culture. And then finally, another reason that some have, I think, inside the church is financial support. The fact is, is that if you're working for a Catholic organization, or if you are a Catholic organization, or you're a speaker or an author, and you question Vatican II in any way, your sources of finances dry up. I don't mean this in a way of greedy people, because I know most people who work for the church don't get paid a lot of money, and speakers don't get paid a lot of money, and authors, I know that for a fact, don't get paid a lot of money. But what I mean by that is, they, they want to reach out to Catholics. That's their mission. Yet they can't, if they say anything against Vatican II, because they won't be allowed to speak in parishes. They won't be allowed to come to conferences. They won't get their books published. And so therefore they realize, if I just keep my mouth shut about that, I have a better opportunity to reach out to these people. So it's, it's good natured, I think, in a lot of ways. I'm not, I'm not criticizing them in, that they're being uh, dupli- dus- duplicitous on purpose. But I do think it, it fosters this environment. Now, I want to make this clear. And hopefully if you've gotten this far, you know this already. I'm not saying that I blame Vatican II for all the problems they have in the church since then. I think that's too simplistic of an answer. I think there's a lot of factors involved. However, I think if we want to be honest, we need to look at Vatican II itself, particularly the fact that in many areas, Vatican II is deliberately ambiguous. What I mean by that is they had, at Vatican II, there's bishops that had very divergent views of things, but they wanted all the council documents to have an almost unanimous vote. 
To do that, they had to write it in certain parts in an ambiguous way where they say, okay, we believe this, but we also kind of say this. So we believe the Latin language is important and, and, and has pride of place, but we also acknowledge the vernacular. We believe this. We, and so there's a lot of cases of that throughout the documents of Vatican II. And so what that does, it allows anybody to interpret Vatican II however they want. So a liberal can look at Vatican II and see it as step one in the new revolution to overthrow the bad old traditional church. Whereas an Orthodox Catholic can look at that and say, no, no, you can't do all that. Vatican II doesn't authorize that. Look at the documents. It doesn't say that, you know, look, it says good things about Latin. But yet it does have this ambiguity. And I also think there might be some places where it might even have uh, erroneous statements. For example, I think what it says about uh, Muslims and about Islam is way too optimistic, and it, it may suggests too strongly that the Islamic God is the same as the Catholic God, and I don't believe that's really, it, it can be stated as, as simplistically as that, because the Islamic God, the conception of God in Islam is so different from the Christian conception that I think it's hard to say we worship the same God. And so what happens there is because of these different statements and everything in Vatican II, you, you have this opportunity that people can kind of run with it however they want, and that's the problem of Vatican II itself. And that could cause a lot of the, it could be the cause of a lot of the problems we've had. Instead of looking at Vatican II as the super council, which interprets all Catholic teaching and tradition before it, I think instead what we need to do is we need to look at Vatican II as one part of a 2,000-year tradition. The tradition is what kind of rules, and we need to interpret Vatican II in light of that. So if there's anything in, that, in Vatican II that is ambiguous or maybe erroneously kind of pointing towards something against Catholic, what Catholics have believed for 2,000 years, then I think it needs to be jettisoned, and we need to not accept it. And so I think if we can do that, we can move forward and, and really engage again in the work of evangelization and stop the flow of people out of the church and start bringing more and more people into the church. But we can't do that unless we're open and honest and we're clear that everything is on the table that isn't uh, solemnly defined by the church. And so even some parts of Vatican II, we acknowledge perhaps they are part of the problem, not part of the solution. Okay, I think I'm going to wrap it up there. One last thing, if you like this podcast, Please rate and review it on iTunes. That will help more people find out about it. And if you're listening all the way to the end of episode 25 of this podcast, hopefully you do like it. If you don't like it, I'm not sure why you're listening, but please don't rate or review it. Uh, but keep listening. We, I'd love to keep, continue to maybe convince you that the podcast is worthwhile. So anyway, rate it and review it on iTunes. Okay, that's it for today's episode. Until next time, keep swimming against the stream.